Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Clay Thompson, one half of the dubious Splash Brothers. I want to confirm something. You put a fortune in a cookie. What did you write on the fortune? I put 73 and 9. If it's right there for us, why not? With your hosts, Seku Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. Man, we don't do second place. We done <laughs> second know? place two years in a row. You did 28th place this year. <laughs> uh, yeah. I like to stir things up from time to time. <laughs> Couldn't let Jerry Stackhouse make it through the building without stopping and hollering at us. What's been the hardest adjustment for you to make to becoming a coach? Not wanting to go out there and get 15. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for the tip-off. Time for the tip-off again with another member of the crew missing this week, Lang Whitaker. I'm not held missing. Down for us last week. No, you held it down last week on the Hangtime Podcast. Um, you and John Schumann taking care of business while uh, – Rick was out doing what Rick does, and while I was running around trying to uh, get some other business done, Seku Smith from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com. And as I mentioned, my main man, Lang Whitaker. Tell the truth. You were you were, you were, you were uh, trying to escape Rio last week. I knew, I knew you were going to make a joke about the Silver Fox here, Ryan Locke. <laughs> I, I don't have anything to do with Rio or lies about getting held up no i mean that is that's out of my wheelhouse man i i study i study my bible every night and um stick to my values i don't have anything to do with this nefarious activity that's going on in rio I, john schumann on the other hand i'm not so sure uh, hey I, I tweeted this earlier but i i had questions about lochte when he showed up at the olympics with his hair dyed silver <laughs> What, they didn't have any bronze? I mean, like, why, why would you show up at a thing where the loser gets silver with your hair dyed that color? Yeah, I'd have, I would have had the gold locks. Um, you have to. You know, Michael Johnson wore the gold shoes. Yeah. I mean, come on. You got to go gold. Did you – have you been – how locked in have you been to the other competitions outside of basketball in the Olympics? Tell the truth. Um, I've watched some sports I've never seen before. Um, there's mm-hmm. actually a video on uh, Plug Alert on NBA.com where <laughs> I, I talked to a lot of the, the incoming rookie class about sports that they would like to try other than basketball. Um, mm-hmm. Torian Prince, uh, new Atlanta Hawk, said water soccer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I believe he meant water polo. Um, but uh, I, I've watched a lot of sports I've never seen never spent a lot of time watching one of them being field hockey where they it's it's i believe it's only women's uh it's only a women's sport but it's uh, sort of like hockey on grass and they're running mm-hmm. around bent over and hitting the ball so uh it, it's very strange it seems like it would hurt your back to play i've i've never watched two seconds of field hockey um whether it's at the olympics or anywhere else but uh I have been watching the Olympics. Surprised myself actually, because I'm I'm not uh, I'm not normally as you know as patriotic as everybody else in my house. You don't have, I don't think you have to be patriotic to watch it. I don't. I mean, I think you have to be somewhat patriotic to get 
behind athletes you've never heard of, like to yeah to, to tune in and to see if somebody's going to win a race that you heard about like two days ago. I, <laughs> I watched the basketball, yeah. not just the U.S. but everybody. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it. It's a little tougher for me to to dial in. I was at the Olympics in London, so I didn't watch it on TV. But I went to all the venues. Like I tried to get around to the other right. venues just for the sake of being at the Olympics. But this has been interesting. I, you know, the U.S. men's team, of course, is on to the semifinal round after some some close calls um, with a big win over Argentina. Play Spain Friday. The U.S. women are up today. They've been rocking. I mean, they've yeah. been rolling, of course. Um, but I'm just stunned at how much attention some of this foolishness gets. <laughs> like this women thing, this whole lock is just—it's preposterous. The whole and, world's watching. I know it's preposterous. I mean, what? What do you think would have happened if this was NBA players? Yeah, that are down there doing. I mean, how bad do you think the fallout would be? Not that we are encouraging any of this kind of behavior. Yeah, I—I'll tell you this. Um, before we get to that, the other sport that I happened upon yesterday or the day before on TV, uh, trampolining, trampoline jumping. That's a, that's an Olympic sport. Yes, it's an Olympic sport. <laughs> like, how do you find out that that's what you're good at? Like you're just like messing around in someone's backyard, and they're like, "Hey, you should be in the Olympics." <laughs> All I know is that the other part about the Olympics that I feel really bad about. Um, so I'm watching the track and field. Yeah, and you know, and there's bound to be somebody that's gonna come in dead last. Yeah, in all these races. So I'm thinking, man, how would you like to be the athlete who trains all your life? You're the best in your country. Like you're the fastest dude in Estonia. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you and if you make the hundred meter final, you are guaranteed to finish dead last. Do you still like? Do you still go home and have, you know, the swag? Like, hey, I went to the Olympics, or do you just kind of disappear into the ether and hide out? Not you know, and don't make any headlines after that because I don't know how you know it works. You know what I do? About ten yards into that race, I come up with a hamstring injury. <laughs> Or you just and do then, like the dude from Haiti and run over the hurdle, the first hurdle, and crash. And then I just make sure I, uh, I, I make sure I finish the race, and I make a big deal out of finishing the race to make so, so maybe I win some sympathy points. You know, I limp horribly or crawl to the finish and <laughs> cross the line. And then I go. Well, I mean, because I just feel bad. They, <laughs> it's terrible. Some, they like well, the you dude, like you said, some from Mexico people... was in the two hundred meters. Right. No, I'm serious. Dude from Mexico was the, he's like the sixth time. Mexican champion in the 200 meters. And, they, you know, when they interview at the start, when they introduce each athlete, they kind of go, hey, it's, you know, right. whoever, da, 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 Usain Bolt, da, da. the dude from Mexico, six-time champ, he finished dead last in his heat. Like, he was just, he didn't even make the final, dead yeah. last. Especially the heats. That's where, like, people really get dusted in some of those races. <laughs> you know, just... like, in, in the finals, whoever finishes last, they're usually, like, you know, within spitting distance of the lead. Right, right. But, but who? But those, those heats, those early first rounds. <laughs> some of those people finish, like especially on like the longer, not even longer. I guess like four hundred or some of those races. I mean, people finish a hundred yards behind the winners. Yeah, and you're the fastest close. dude Bahrain Bahrain has ever seen. Like you're the fastest man your country's ever produced. Oh and my hamstring! Smoke. Yeah, I mean, I, oh, just, just <laughs> that, a strange existence. I don't, I don't know how you. I don't know how you bounce back from that. But, you were uh, talking about uh, the, when you were talking about it at the beginning of the race, and they kind of show each person, and they 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 kind of rattle off a little fact about each one. Uh, uh, 
made me think last night I was watching the track and field and uh, there's a lot of uh, sports announcers out there who are really good at their job that we don't ever get to see because <laughs> we're always watching basketball. Like I, I thought Otto Bolden was really good on the track and field, the color I, commentator for NBC. Um, I learned something from him about each runner. I mean, mostly it's just facts. He's, he might have them written down or something, but he's really good at, he knows a lot about all these different people and all the different races. And um, I thought he's really good. The other one I like a lot, well, there's a woman who does the uh, the diving who's just kind of mean. Mm. She sounds like Nancy Grace, and she's just kind of mean. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who I don't know what her name is, but the the dude I like a lot is Tim Daggett on gymnastics. Because everything gymnastics. Everything he does, like he just he talks in all capital letters, you know. <laughs> like every time the 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 gymnast does anything, and he's like, can I don't know if they can land it. You know, everything's like, <laughs> like that. He's like the Dick Vitale of gymnastics. I haven't watched as much of the gymnastics as some other people. Um, I've been stuck on the volleyball. I, I've yeah. been marveling at just how indoor or outdoor, both. Because to me, that I mean, it's stunning how athletic they are, male and female. Uh, I am I'm blown away by how high they can jump. I was I was having an argument with my wife um, because I was telling her that I think the the ladies who play indoor volleyball. I said, I think they would be able to dunk volleyballs with ease. Probably. And she's, and she's like, why do you always have to make it about if somebody, you know, if somebody could dunk a basketball? And I was like, well, cause I watch basketball for a living. That's, and she, she couldn't understand why I was making that connection. I was like, well, I'm just saying the athletic, you know, the athleticism of the women's team, which is coached by Karch Karai, who was one right. of my all time favorite Olympic athletes. I was just saying that it was impressive. <laughs> Who else is on your all-time favorite Olympic athlete list? Uh, Other than Karch Karai. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I loved the, the men's Olympic team back in the day. I thought they were, thought they were cold-blooded. They had, remember they had him and Steve, what's his name, Steve Timmons? Well, that was, the dude that had, like, the red <laughs> spiky hair. The red afro, I mean, the red yeah, uh, flat top. Like, yeah, they were well, cold That was, like, the, like, 84, right? That's when you went. Yes, yes, I was I was. I was out there in LA for the summer, so I, I I was caught up in the Olympic movement back then. I have since graduated. My uh, my younger sister has not. She she texts me all night during every competition, telling me about oh you know check this out. It's like a it's on seventy four channels. I can't keep up with it. Um, right. I don't even you know I have to like scan the guide every night to find where the basketball games are on which one of these channels NBC is doing it. And I'm not here to bash NBC. I've I've heard there's been a lot of backlash about Olympics coverage, but that's, man, that's gotta be a difficult thing to put on <sighs> that many events. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know how you do it. I'll say you this, know. you know, I, I know people are, <clears throat> they, the, most of the bashing has been because they, they, some of the events are taped. Um, they do a pretty good job at nighttime of, of making it dramatic. And you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sit down and watch and I, I don't keep track of every single event live as it happens. And sometimes mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. And even though it's taped, it's, I'll watch. It's fun. It's good. Good television. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I'm not here to to hate on the Olympics. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna be uh, as fired up as anybody. But speaking of the Olympics in, in basketball, we ha we had a question on the blog table this week about our level of concern for uh, the U.S. men's senior national team and whether or not they were in trouble. My my level of concern was significant going into the matchup with Argentina. Paul George and Kevin Durant made sure I was you know, relieved of that issue and had nothing to worry about. They went out and played probably one of their best games in the competition. Um, although, although when it was 19 to nine early, 
I was I was like, uh oh, <laughs> here we go. I, well, I mean, I just the, when the depth starts rolling off that bench, it's yeah. you know that's where the clear advantage is. I was for the U.S., but what do you? Th- I think it's an urgency thing. I think it's a natural issue they have with going out and knowing that they've got the best team, so they don't come out and play with the same sense of urgency every game. What do you think is has been the issue main issue for this group? Um. Schumann and I talked about it a little bit last week um, mm-hmm. that offensively um, the ball sort of sticks. The ball stops moving sometimes. Um, right. You know, I, I, they kind of set a trap for themselves by when this thing started talking about how this is going to be the best defensive team they'd ever had. And now when you're giving up a hundred points every night, that, that doesn't really uh, seem to, to agree with, with that uh, idea. But um uh, offensively, when you watch them play, there's times where, you know, like, there was a couple times last night against Argentina where they ran Thompson off a pick and he, he wasn't open. And they looked on the other side of the pick, it wasn't open. All right, throw it to Carmelo, let's just clear out. Yeah. Uh, and that seems to be the default on offense or give it to Durant and clear out. And that's a pretty good default to have, <laughs> you know, <laughs> either one of those dudes. But uh, it, it, and I, I don't, maybe that maybe the expectations are too high. I mean, should we expect a team of guys who've been playing together for two weeks to be able to go out there and look like the um, 86 Celtics yeah. or something? You know, like, I mean, it, I don't know if it's fair to, to expect them to go out and play the seven seconds or less basketball or move the ball around or all that kind of stuff offhand um, when they haven't played together that long. And I think that's when you say, well, defensively, they should be able to, to probably play better. But mm-hmm. um, to me, those, I mean, it, it's kind of, it's kind of obvious to say the offense and the defense are things that I've, <laughs> I've noticed, but um, I, I've okay. been a little disappointed on, on both sides of the ball. It's weird for me. They, they just shoot so many threes. Um, yeah. And I'm like, in my estimation, why would you bother shooting all those threes when you have such a clear advantage going to the rim and playing inside, like playing inside out? I don't understand why they just – I think it's part of it is the line. Yeah, it's, so it's a shorter line. So, yeah, so dudes are looking at it and like, oh, man, this is a layup. Well, yeah, it's a layup for Kevin Durant and whoever when they're hitting. But when they're not making threes, it you know, it's infuriating watching the lack of movement on offense and the, the way they settle for certain shots. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've had some people on Twitter, like, you know, giving coach K gruff about, you know, well, coach K is getting out coast and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know that I buy into that theory that anybody's getting out coached. There are uh, times where I, I, the lineups, I mean, look, they're five and oh, right. So I mean, we, we can't complain too much, but there are times where I, where I'm curious about some of the, the substitution patterns. Mm-hmm. And who's on the floor at, at different times? Um, but, and like, why? Why isn't Draymond playing more? He seems like he'd be a, a perfect um, international player. Um, but American so, Americans. So far, I think to beat everybody by forty. I mean, <laughs> it's it's a competition. It should be dramatic. I like it better when they have competitive games. I don't like the blowout games. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I don't expect him to go over there and waltz through the competition just because. They got all this NBA talent, you know. In London, they had to they had to battle to, to finish Spain off in right. the gold game. You know, it wasn't a it wasn't a cakewalk, and uh, you know, to me, it shouldn't be. I mean, I hope it's not. I think Charles Barkley made some 
some pretty, you know, salient points just about the makeup of the roster. You got to make sure you take the right yeah. kind of group, you know, guys who are willing to play lunch pail roles. Like, I, I'll tell you the one thing that cracks me up every time I look at a still photo um, from one of the games, and it's it tends to be like, you know, a big man or whatever from the other team going up to the rim and all five guys on the U.S. team are on the ground. Right. And I'm, I'm wondering how much of that is when Paul George is working with the Indiana Pacers, he's got, Jan, you know, he had Jan Mahinmi or somebody else, who a role player whose job it was to go up and box out or contest a shot. And, right. And every guy on that U.S. roster has had has somebody else on their team usually doing the dirty work, you know. Even the guys like Jimmy Butler and George and Draymond who play both ends and, and do it well in the NBA, they don't have to be the role player guy on their on their NBA teams. And I think to me it's like a, a subconscious thing where they get caught not being locked into the international game right. um, and just what the roles are. So I I don't know. I'm, if they end up winning the goal, I think we forget about how close the games were until the next Olympics. You know, nobody's going to care uh, that they had to battle right. to beat France by three or whatever, you know. And at the next Olympics, that's when Pop's there. And, uh, yeah, and I mean, it'll be, it'll be a different vibe, I would imagine. It'll uh, be a different roster, too. A lot of those guys who didn't want to go yeah. this year will, will be there. Um, and LeBron already said something about leaving the door open. For, for Tokyo, so LeBron, LeBron's. I'm glad you brought LeBron. He's been busy here. Yeah. Um, I know you had a, a post yesterday about him talking about his, you know, ambition to own the NBA team one day. Um, I think he's on Good Morning America today. Yeah. Yeah, he's been all over the place. Kind of. It's interesting that now, you know, I don't know what the timing means or why it's happening now, but I, I saw where he also said he wished. You know, he was over there with the guys in Rio, mm-hmm. you know, playing. And, and um, But I, I think his his comments about owning a team are pretty interesting when you when you think about the fact that he, there was a time when that was not even in the question for NBA right. players, like being an owner. He He's not talking about buying into an ownership group and then getting out of the way. He's talking about running a team the way, you know, owning a team the way Jordan, Michael Jordan does. Right. He said it was um, his dream. Yeah, that ambition. It's, it's it's his dream to do that. Yeah, it's um, funny you don't hear LeBron talk about his dreams that often because he he's he's met most of them, I think. Yeah, he's he's tapped a lot of them. I, but to me, it would be interesting to see what kind of owner LeBron would be like. Mm-hmm. What kind of daily interaction he would have? You talking about a dude who's if he would have finished playing and go into ownership in any capacity? We're talking about a guy who would be in the spotlight basically since he was about. 13 to 14 years old for the rest of his life. I would, I would think, I would imagine he'd want a little time to unplug from this and, and not have to be caught up in the fishbowl every day. You know what I mean? I don't, yeah. I don't, kind of I don't, like what Kobe's talking about doing, doing some other things, maybe in a different arena. LeBron said something. He, he already is doing all that stuff. You know, like the, the podcast yeah. that he said that stuff on was, was not the Hangtime podcast for one, um, but the podcast that he, he made those comments on was uh, a podcast that's like affiliated with a business he owns. Right. So I mean, he's already got these entertainment things going and got some irons in the fire there. Um, he's he has the show on on Stars, uh, Ballers Remorse, and other things he's done. So I mean, he's already kind of got 
all that stuff in the works. Um, he, I, I don't, I don't want to. I'll, I'll paraphrase. I don't remember his exact quote, but he said something about putting. If, if he was running a team, he would try to hire the best people to to, to do it. Um, you know, and and he, he, I think, from that standpoint, I, I don't know if he would be as hands on as some other owners. Um, you know, maybe or maybe he thinks he could be a little more strategic with his time and and kind of drop in here and there and and know when to when to help out and when not to help out. Come on, man. This this is the dude who, when he's in street clothes, he's like over Ty Lue's shoulder coaching. You know, good and well, he, you know, good and well, he's gonna be all in if he's an owner. There's True. no, I I can't imagine him allowing. See that to me, that's the thing too. That's interesting. Like, you know, do you allow other people with with expertise in certain areas to step in and do things, or do you, you know, do you assume and believe that you know best and will you know dive in head first and do it yourself? To me, Michael Jordan has has changed up a little bit over the years like in terms of how directly involved he is with the day-to-day operations right you know and, and all of the intricacies of his organization he's he's done a, a really nice job to me in in charlotte changing you know using a political word but pivoting a little bit early in his career you know it was one way and he's pivoted you know in the last few years and allowed other guys rich cho and others to kind of have some autonomy even and you know and the, the authority needed to make decisions i i do i do think this though lebron is probably judging by all the things he has going on in all of his quote unquote dreams i can't remember a superstar athlete having more going on while he's playing and mastering it the way lebron has it's pretty crazy when you think about like you said survivor's remorse you know the the all the entertainment stuff he does, this foundation stuff. I know LeBron takes a lot of crap from a lot of people, but man, it's hard to do it as big as he has and win championships in the whole, you know, in the whole package. Right. The way LeBron has pretty crazy. Um, he said, and he set himself up to, to reach his dreams. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, if any, if you had to pick one dude who was maybe in line to, to, uh, to be able to go buy a team when this, when he gets done, I think LeBron's at the head of that list right now. When you when you think about LeBron, you know when I know you guys are slam were all over it when he was coming out. You know, do you think at this stage of his career, LeBron is? I think he's on track to exceed even the expectations anybody had for him as a player. I don't. Do you I, think I, he's reached him? Is close? Is exceeded him? Where do you think he's at in terms of? The hype that um, was surrounding LeBron is when he was a teenager to where he is now. I think we wrote about LeBron the first time when he was a sophomore in high school. Um, mm-hmm. And so having been reading those stories and editing those stories and, and following that story as close up as I did that, that whole era. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've said this on a lot of different radio shows when people ask about LeBron and expectations. Like, I think he's exceeded any expectation you could have had. Um, yeah. You know, as as many as uh, as many guys as we used to write about in the punk section of Slam, who that might be the 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 apex of their careers, getting in that right. punk section. Uh, to say LeBron was going to come out and be a great player, okay, but to to have won MVPs and championships and all this stuff and be in the conversation and the longevity he's had and be in the conversation for top whatever ten all time. Um, 
you know, I, I, I think he's exceeded any expectation. And if he lost in the finals for the next six years in a row, I still think he's wildly exceeded any expectation you could have had for him. Yeah, I agree. I was, you know, cause you know, how people always want to talk, argue about LeBron and you right. know, where does he fit? And it's, you know, is he great? I, a guy on Twitter keeps asking me every week, are you ready to give LeBron James top player of all time? Now? And I'm like, I'm not ready to go there, but I, the fact that we're even having the conversation to me lets you know that he's far exceeded any expectation. Well, they were actually people who thought LeBron was going to be a bust. And, and one of them's deceased, the great Mel Daniels. I'll never forget when he was uh, scouting for the Pacers. We were at Summer League, and he was talking about how he didn't think LeBron was going to, you know, be the player that everybody was hyping him up to be. So, I mean, it wasn't like LeBron came in with unanimous you know, reviews is, hey, this dude's going to be everything we think he is. It's, I think it's remarkable when you consider the career arc he's had and uh, and what he's accomplished based on how hard it is to do that. Like, think of all the dudes who were big-time talents coming into the league that were supposed to be this, that, and the other that never came close to reach. I'll put another name on it for you. When uh, mm-hmm. when we were at Slam, uh, ESPN.com at the time had Charlie Rosen writing for them. Right. He wrote a scouting report of LeBron James and said, the best King James will ever be is an average NBA player. <laughs> and uh, uh, one, of, one of the editors at Slam, I won't name him, Ryan Jones, printed yeah. that out. And uh, printed that out and put it on the wall in the slam office to remind all of us. That's how I know that quote verbatim, just because I used to look at it every single day. But, yeah, there were plenty of people who didn't think he was going to – and, look, maybe that's people who were just trying to be argumentative or whatever. Yeah, trying to be contrarians or whatever, thinking, I don't want to get in the bandwagon. Yeah, we we don't know about. But um, (laughs) there there were plenty of people who thought he wasn't going to be as great as he has turned out to be. And, uh, I'll never forget. Uh, I don't know if you remember this. This cover, Sporting News had a big cover story before the draft that year, and it was, it was like uh, the case for drafting Darko instead of LeBron. Like why Cleveland should draft Darko Milicic? I guess Joe Dumars read it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm not gonna name the guy like you did. I'm not gonna out the, the person <laughs> the who wrote the story because he's a nice guy. Um, and he was maybe caught up in the in the Darko hype, um, but I never. I, I've got the magazine here at the house somewhere. It's it's like in a in a bag where I you know I've collected magazines and newspaper clippings over the years. I was like I'm holding on to this one because I I vehemently disagreed with it at the time, not knowing how either one of their careers would turn out. But I thought that was one of the most contrarian things I'd ever heard of. Like why would the why would Cleveland pass on? Right. Yeah, you know, and it was and it was a beautifully laid out, you know, story about how great Darko was going to be and all the potential he had and the fact that he was a seven footer and, uh, and it was in the midst of the international craze, if you will, when everybody mm-hmm. was looking for that next, you know, great international star. And uh, and I was- thought, man, if I thank goodness I've never written anything. <laughs> Like that, because I would be yeah. man. I, I would. I know somebody would always go back to it, or would always bring it up, no matter what. Um, kind of like you always bring up the fact that you got it right with Durant, and I got it wrong with Greg Oden. But I also I, when I wrote that Ricky Rubio story when he was fifteen or whatever, sixteen, I went over to Spain and saw him play. Yeah, you you were you were you were definitely on the Rubio train. 
and I, I wrote at the time that the the way he played, all these people were comparing him to Pete Maravich, and I and I wrote that that that's a terrible comparison because Pete Maravich averaged forty something points a game, um, and Ricky's not a shooter. I said the guy he yeah. reminds me of the style of play and everything reminded me of Magic Johnson more so the way he handled the ball and made flashy passes and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, thank goodness Ricky has been good enough to make it to the NBA and have a, a <laughs> long enough career that. My comment doesn't seem like completely outlandish. It, it's it, clearly he's not Magic Johnson, but yeah, it's plenty outlandish. But uh, at least I, at least Ricky made it to the NBA and has had this career and you know proven himself to be one of the more exciting point guards in the league. So yeah, I mean that, that's one of my beefs too with comparisons. People are always asking who do you think this guy plays. Like, I don't I don't like doing that because to me that sets the player up right for you know to to not reach the hype. It's like Ricky Rubio, there's no way he could have been as good as you and other people thought he might be after watching him when he but he was dazzling. I remember you you were talking about how unbelievable you thought he was and I was the natural cynic in me and is bound to say, uh uh-uh. you know, no. I don't I won't believe that a dude is gonna be as good as also, you know what? I think he's been about as good as I thought he would be. I, I didn't really? think he was yeah, I didn't think he was gonna be a all NBA first teamer. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I, I thought he would come over to the NBA and make a splash. And I mean, he's going to start against Team USA in the tomorrow in the semifinals in the Olympics. Right. Um, he's still what twenty six, twenty five. Um, you know, he he's still got a long career ahead of him. Um, but I, I I'm not. I, I wouldn't th- say wait a minute, you think so? You think you think he's lived up to his hype? I think well, so. You think so? Yeah. Uh... What was the hype that he was going to be the next? Who? Well, outside of outside of the fawning you did over him forever, uh, <laughs> there were plenty of other people drinking the Kool Aid that thought he was going to be like some transcendent player. He's been a good player, right? I don't think he's come close to being a transcendent star. No, I don't either. I don't. I yeah. mean, but I, I wouldn't. I, I don't. I don't know that we said he was going to be a the player uh, changed basketball. I um, don't know. The, the hype was pretty thick. Now he got drafted. What? Sixth, sixth, fifth? Well, nine sixth. point guards got drafted that year. Didn't the Timberwolves yeah. draft like eight point guards? He got drafted right by Johnny Flynn. <laughs> so I think I think he turned out all right. Yeah, I'm just saying. You, to me, that's the. We could go through a bunch of players, but you you really think Rubio has <laughs> has lived up to that? To all the, the the drama and hype that was cranking up about it? Okay, I don't think so. I, I think he's had a good career. I, I mean, <laughs> you th- I mean, you think good career was enough? Like that was going to be. Uh, he's not done. <laughs> he's no, he's twenty five. He's twenty five yeah, years but... old. He's twenty five. I just looked it up. Okay, but do you see a future of all star? I mean, like, could he end up being a better than he's viewed now? I don't. I don't know that I see. All I think so. I mean, if he could, if he could make some shots. It's, I mean. <laughs> You know the kind of you know what kind of career I mean I think if you think of a guy who like I mean he, let's look right here average he's averaging for his career ten points a game eight point three assists per game uh, four rebounds a game mm-hmm. um, so he's averaging like ten and eight uh, for five seasons although one of those he was the torn ACL um, so. I would say he's had an okay career. I think he, yeah. 
I thought he might average you, more points. You went from good to okay. I, I'm trying to see how far I can scale you back on this before we finish up. <laughs> Ten and, I, uh, I, I mean, those are pedestrian numbers, basically. But that's not NBA standout numbers. But I also think of it the same way as like uh, in reference to LeBron and and Stefan Marbury. I always think about this too when people are like, mm-hmm. "Well, he had a disappointing NBA career," and I'm like, "He made a hundred something million dollars. <laughs> he played ten years. I haven't been to the building he grew up in on Coney Island. I don't know how you could classify what happened to him in the NBA as anything but a success." Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way with most of these guys, I mean, if you have a long career in the NBA, that's a success to me. Yeah, but I mean, a success in living up to hype to me are two different things. I would I would argue that Stephon Marbury, as successful as he's been, has certainly not lived up to the hype that accompanied his rise, you know, from Coney Island to the NBA to, you know, obviously in China, now he's got statues and everything, but I would think he'd be on the list of guys who did not – and not, not that, not that you blame them for it, because the hype is out of their control. Well, you know, it's not like they're writing them sto- the stories about themselves all those years ago. I know they're doing it now, and the players to be uh, everywhere else. I, I wrote most of them. Yeah. But, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, he played in the NBA for a, he played in the NBA for a dozen years. Went to the All Star game twice. Yeah. Uh, averaged 19 points a game, and 7.6 assists per game, three rebounds a game. Um, I mean that's that, those are pretty good numbers. I, he had that one stretch for where he averaged twenty and eight for something like ten yeah. years in a row. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm he, just saying. Do you think he, to me it's different? He didn't win titles, right? It's different though to me. I could be wrong the way I'm phrasing this, but it's different to me whether or not you had a good NBA career or you lived up to the hype. I'll give you a prime example. One of our I know favorite guys, mean. Marvin Williams, number two pick in the draft. He's had a good, solid NBA career and continues to do so. Just signed a, a, a new deal with Charlotte this summer. Right. But I don't, I don't know that Marv will ever live up to the hype of being a number two pick and kind of what people thought he could be, not by any act of his own, but just maybe the expectations were. were well, that's, that's a whole – I think that's an, a different argument too because it, there wasn't even that much hype with him. <laughs> I mean, coming out of – he only played one year in college and it wasn't that – he came off the bench there. I mean, he, yeah, there was, but he's the number two pick in the draft. I mean, sure, know, that, but that's a no, hype that's, that comes along with that. That's the question of meeting the expectations of being the number two pick, mm-hmm. to me, um, and and that's something out of his control. That's that's that was on you know the Hawks picking him at that spot. Um, you just want to blame Billy Knight for everything. <laughs> I didn't even say his name. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just I, I maybe I don't know maybe we're arguing two different things, but uh, or debating two different things, um, and we'll we'll probably continue to debate the same thing. But I I just I'm wondering what this you know is it a moving scale you know like what are the what do we use as the criteria for being successful as opposed to meeting the hype? Um, I got one one criteria that we could maybe agree on. Mm-hmm. Maybe we wait till their careers over. For what? I mean, we don't have time to wait. <laughs> we don't have time to wait for that. No, I, I see what you said. I mean, I get what you're saying, but that would require, after you know, for a guy like Marvin, after a decade in the league, what are the chances that he ends up being? In, you know, what I mean, like who makes? It's very rare for a guy. Kyle Lowry is one of the few guys I can think of who, after a long stretch in the league, ended up becoming an All Star, right. in an elite player. Like, 
that's very rare that it happens for a guy late in a career. Maybe, but it wasn't. How old was Lowry when all that stuff clicked in? I mean, he, I'm going to look. I don't think he was that. He was, what, 26, 27 when, when it all kind of interrupted? I'm saying two years ago he became an all-star, right? Yeah, when he got to, like, the right system and the right – he was 26 mm-hmm. when he got traded to Toronto. Right. Uh, or when he went to Toronto. Um, so, I mean, if we had had that discussion when he was 25, we would have said, oh, it's not living up to the expectations. Well, no, I'm saying he's, an, he's a, just an example of a guy I used that became an all-star later in his career and kind of got, you know – moved into that realm as a potential, you know, star player. I'm saying, do you put Ricky Rubio in the same equation? Do you think Rubio's got a chance in the next few years to to reach that level? All-star, you know? I think so. I mean, why not? Kyle Lowry's uh, first year in Toronto, uh, he averaged 11.6 points per game Mm -hmm. in 68 games. Um, I mean, I, I think let's have this conversation again when Ricky Rubio is 29, um, you know, instead of, uh, instead of having it now. And when he's on the, his next Olympic appearance, I mean, this is already his second or third, um, mm-hmm. with Spain. So, um, I, I just think we're, 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 you're closing the case when we should still be arguing it. You're like that judge trying to get Ryan Lochte's passport back. He's gone, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dude's in Florida. <laughs> no, I'm, I just it just dawned on me though. Talking about LeBron, maybe think about that. Like some other players, you know. And when do you start taking stock of a guy's career? It's like, you know, I was thinking about the fact that Jordan, Magic, the guys of that era, they only played twelve, thirteen years when they played, and those were considered long careers. Right. Back I think LeBron is. I think LeBron's already played more games than Larry Bird played. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the, to me, the goalposts have changed a little bit in terms of how long a guy can play and and what's considered you know success or not. It's funny, um, and and we've kind of weaved off the road here on the Hangtime Podcast this week, of course, like we love to do. I was uh, talking with Jamal Crawford about that while we were out in Seattle. Um, doing some business with him and that Seattle Pro-Am League. And he was laughing about some of the things written about him when he was younger. Like people, you know, I didn't even realize that he was, you know, he's played 16 years, whatever in the NBA. And he's talking about how people had picked him to be the guy who would wish he'd stayed in college and would have a, the shortest career and wouldn't cut it in the NBA. And I was like, yeah, you, you know, you just never know. I mean, it's always, guesswork you know at that stage of a career you get into the later part of a career um and you can take much better stock of it you know like right he'll have had a career that's probably wildly more successful than some people thought he had even though he's never been an all-star um and he's you know he's never reached those kinds of heights but you look at just the some of it is duration like how long do you play and what level do you play at you know in terms of the quality of your career um that you that you're right i think you have to judge better when a guy's done or at the end of a career as, as opposed to in the midst of it but it's just a this is an argument debate we can throw out you know we'll be we'll be arguing with each other and debating this stuff to old and grace we might as well get it started now <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but anyway, uh, I'm cu- I'm curious to see this this semifinal game against Spain for the U.S. team in yeah. Rio. Um, what if Rubio drops forty? If he, I'm I'm going to be <laughs> hearing it. I'm sure I'll hear it nonstop. Uh, <laughs> if Spain knocks off the U.S. and Rubio goes off and gets a triple double or something ridiculous, but to be honest, some of these other point guards have had pretty good games against Team USA. So I know it's it's and they, it's one of those weird things where. They always, I don't know if it's the, you know, just the sight of the U.S. point guards and the fact that we don't ever send a point guard who's a defensive stopper. Like, I remember when Russell Westbrook was there, you know, he was playing a role. Right. As, you know, as kind of off the bench defensive stopper and all that. But, like, we don't, the starting point guard for the U.S. seems to never be a guy whose focus is pure defense, even though Chris Paul's a great defender, um, you know, by most people's standards and, and does it at a high level. And I thought he, he had his hands full in London, you know, with a lot of those guys, just by virtue of the the teams they played and, and how well some of those guys played. But you're right. The guy from Argentina was going in. He was going at Kyrie early in the game. And I was like, wow, that's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what Rubio does in, in the semifinal matchup and uh, see how the U.S. fares. I, I don't know that Kyrie or Kyle Lowry – are considered the the best defensive point guards by any stretch in the NBA. So it's kind of a weird way of evaluating them. But, uh, but they are considered two of the best point guards in the NBA. Oh, no um, question. No question. Yeah. You know, this maybe not on defense, man. But anyway, enough of our ramblings this week here on the Hang Time Podcast. Hey, do you, do you happen to know where Rick is, literally? Do you know uh, what country he's in right now? What Which hemisphere he's in? Uh, I texted with I him. I have no like, idea. I texted with him like two weeks ago, and mm. he said, call me, and I called him <laughs> at that moment, and he goes, hey, man, you got me in trouble. I'm on the plane. We're about to take <laughs> off, and I wasn't supposed to have my phone on, and he hung up immediately, and I haven't heard from him <laughs> since then. That was like two weeks about, ago. That sounds about regular. Uh, yeah. Greg, do you know where Rick is? Seriously, just tell the truth. Do you have any idea which continent he's on right now? Absolutely not. Um, I could say, but I don't know if we might have to edit <laughs> glad to know you're, you're staying up on the game Frodo appreciate it um, hey, you're just happy I'm listening to you guys yeah well in between texting and playing Pokemon Go and all the other stuff you're doing uh, we appreciate it appreciate you listening um, diving in here with us on the Hang Time Podcast we will see you next week when the gold has been handed out in Rio and we can get back to our normal summer activity right here on the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes, visit the iTunes Music Store and be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And as always, Sekuna Matata.